0: This this episode 16 17 right now you're going the yeah. hang it by episode, episode 100
1: right number 17 baby yeah episode 100 we should be there <laughs> maybe i'll have an intern by then <laughs> yeah right yeah um all right here we go what's up chris how you doing man hey frankie how you doing i'm doing well well um so you reached out to me via email so um here we are and you, you have you have i think among one of the cooler careers of the people that I've spoken to so far. So you commentate for sports.
0: Yeah. Uh, my official position, I'm a sports director at a commercial radio station in Northern New York. I um, produce a morning sports cast from home at five in the morning, Monday through Friday. And it gets aired by six o'clock air six times during the morning. So a lot of uh, we're early mornings, plus I get to get my kids on the bus. They get on the bus at six 45 in the morning. So, so I'm up, you know a lot before a lot of people um so I, I do that and i do play play for a lot of local high school and college sports um during the fall it's soccer and football and i also do play play for a division three ncaa football team where i live um college hockey high school hockey high school basketball in the winter and then baseball softball and lacrosse on the radio throughout the year so i'm busy for 10 months throughout the year that's all of the sports um, see- chris <laughs> All of them. I, I've i done, I've done, I've done track and field updates before. Um, I've done, I did, I worked for an internet company way back when, when they did volleyball, I did like four volleyball games. Never again. Uh, there's, there's too many stats to keep track of. Cause I like to keep stats, my own handwritten notes, there's blocks, kill sets, whatever they call it. And it's, thank goodness they have computers to keep track of that now. So, um, Those but, are three uh, now, too many
1: statistics uh, for me.
0: Yes, very, very, very much, very much. And I tried to do my own cheat sheet. It didn't work after like three serves. It was like, okay, I threw it in the garbage. It didn't quite work at all. So, but yeah, so I do play by play. I, I've done podcasting a little bit during COVID. I did when there's no sports going on uh, in New York State. Um, I did a weekly podcast for about a year. Um, actually, when podcasts weren't a thing, I was doing podcasts for local college. Station, not a college station, but a college uh, sports I was covering for college basketball and college hockey. Like, and I did it only to get free shirts from a company from downtown, and uh, it worked out. This was back in probably two thousand three, two thousand four. So I didn't even when podcast were a thing, I was doing a podcast on our website, which is what? What the heck is that? A little podcast. It's, and um, you're you know, no an OG. Like, I know. I, so I'm not adding anything regular, but when the moment comes, I've done a little things. Plus, like for a year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did a podcast for the college football team that I did for one season, but it just got to be too much to do because I have other responsibilities. I sell radio advertising. I, I produce a report in the morning. Sometimes I'm a morning, I'm a backup morning um, host on our FM station, and um, and there's a lot of grunt work that goes on with that. So it turns out to be a long day from five in the morning to five at night. A lot of times, just constant, consistent flow of of stuff to do. What
1: During do you look summer, forward to the most? Break. Out of all of that stuff, I,
0: I, uh, going to big games like uh, sectional playoff games, going to state games. I've covered a couple of state championship games. I freelanced for New York State as well, doing play by play for the um, state basketball championships, which are held in Glens Falls, New York, which is just north of Albany, uh, 8,000 seat arena. I was doing, I uh, think, internet only for that. And then I would do radio for my local teams and then do what they call now the, the highest classification in New York state is double a, which is the big schools. So I was doing uh, it, it, the, the high school like, like schools with like 2000, 2000 kids in a class. So it's like a lot of division one, division three players in these the big school championships. So um, that, that was pretty fun. You know, freelance for the high school hockey championships. I've done some audio uh, video feeds for our local teams up here for sectional play as well. So I'm doing it for the last 21 years up here actually doing play-by-play for sports along with the three years I did in college. I've been doing play-by-play for almost 25 years now um, from a local sports standpoint. Um, I did do, I did cover a division on women's frozen Four, women's hockey in Connecticut a few years ago. So that's kind of the highest point I've had mm-hmm. um, so far in my career covering something.
1: Oh, that's sick. Have you ever commentated for a, a football game and one of the players goes on to become an NFL player?
0: Yes, matter of fact, uh, if you remember Brian Leonard, who played at Rutgers and played for the mostly the Cincinnati Bengals. I uh, started with the St. Louis Rams. My first year broadcasting high school football, he was a senior at a local high school. He set about eight New York State records with points in a game, touchdowns in a game, um and went to Rutgers University. He's now is on the Mount Rushmore of Rutgers University football over 125 years. He's Probably the third or fourth most recognizable player ever in Rutgers history. CQB? He what does he, he play? Uh, fullback. He was a fullback. Fullback. Okay. He was actually in the running for the Heisman uh, his senior year, but then Ray Rice came in, kind of took a step back in a role, but the, the Rutgers ended up uh, almost winning the, when they're at the time in the Big East at the time. So but Brian Leonard, uh, I he has a camp uh, in a local town that I live in every year. He comes in. Um, so he had a seven-year career. He ended with the Saints. Played one game, made sixty-four thousand dollars for one game, and then retired. So he's got his pension. He, he and, and he mostly played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the fullback. He was like the third down back. Every time he touched the ball, he could get a first down for them. Mm. So, uh, but Brian Leonard is one NFL player I've seen. The other one is a uh, Trevor Scott. You may not have heard of him. He ended up going to the University of Buffalo and got drafted by the then Oakland Raiders. He's a starting defensive end for the Oakland Raiders for four years. And then uh, kind of uh, wandered the last three years with New England and Chicago, but uh, he got his four years, got his pension. Uh, really, really big time. After then, they actually played against each other in high school too, so that was pretty neat for one. I think for one year. But at the time, Brian, uh, at the time, Trevor Scott was uh, with a tight end and a three downs and a cloud of dust offense, so he didn't get the ball very much. But when he went to college, he bulked up a little. They put him on defense. He went to college, recruited as a tight end. In a mid-major division one at University of Buffalo, and then bulked up a little bit. They put him to defensive end, became an All-MAC player, and then got drafted in the sixth round by the Oakland Raiders. Oh wow! So every, yep. You know, every time I go to the local high school he went, there's his uh, Oakland Raiders number ninety-one jersey right there across from the high school gym. Oh, that's sick!
1: Yeah, so he goes there as a tight end, gets chain, bulks up, goes over to defensive end. That's interesting. Yep. I, I, yeah, and and it, go ahead
0: and come from a MAC school like that too, where they may get one or two a year. It was was a pretty big deal. His coach was Turner Gill, who was a big time guy at Nebraska back in the seventies and eighties. So he kind of turned that Buffalo program around. He was one of the key cogs. Same thing with Brian Leonard. Greg Shiano was the coach that brought Brian Leonard from Northern New York to New Jersey. And he ends up turning around that Rutgers program to national prominence and almost winning the big East title and all that. So he was a main contributor for that.
1: Hmm okay you see yeah i know a lot of nfl but i i know almost nothing about college so i'm always like me, me neither, trying me, me to figure me neither. It out. so yeah
0: <laughs> I, I it's well i'm working a lot during saturday so i don't get to watch a lot of division one mm-hmm. college football and it doesn't really interest me all that well it, to me it's it's kind of the old the old school good old boy network it's the same four teams every year alabama clemson you know, so Georgia, is somebody right? else in, uh, Georgia. Exactly. So yeah. you're, you're down in Georgia. You probably hear it all the time. So it's uh, or Atlanta's kind of Georgia tech country down there. From my understanding no dude, the people so. down
1: here, I was in Atlanta and I was at a bar watching Georgia versus Alabama. Seriously. 75% Alabama fans, 25% Georgia fans. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Explain that to me. I, I don't yeah. understand.
0: Well, Georgia but. had a little lull for years or back. Georgia tech hasn't been good in a while either. I guess. So, but the ACC is kind of, ACC is really a basketball conference anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, football's kind of the, the, it's SCC, SCC, really big 10, but big 10's decent basketball, but big 10's really. And, and now there, there's so many, so much shuffling amongst the teams. I mean, Maryland now is in the big 10 Rutgers in the big 10. I can't, you can't keep track of all these colleges where they're going because they're going after the television money. They think, they're gonna get into a big conference, get all the television money. That's what it is. It's all money. So.
1: Which one is uh? Which one is Boulder in? Boulder. Yeah.
0: Oh, were you mean Baylor? Or
1: no. Colorado. Colorado. Um. The shit. What's the name? They got the. I don't know. I went to a Colorado game. And so they play okay. in Boulder that's they're why I call in, them Boulder. They're in
0: Boulder uh, yeah Colorado Univer- Colorado University's in Boulder, Colorado.
1: Yeah yeah. so I went to a Colorado basketball game and they played you know okay and, and that was a fun. That's the only um, college basketball game that I've ever been to, but it was super fun. yeah, a really fun time. yep
0: I, I I live we live pretty close to Syracuse. I've never been to a Syracuse game before. I've been to the carrier Dome um, though uh, one Division one hockey trip I hired as a freelancer about 10, 11 years ago. Travel with the Division One hockey team to Denver, Colorado, for a New Year's Eve tournament.
1: Oh, that and must have been sick. The
0: the the, 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 the Denver University is a pretty prominent Division One hockey program, and they play in the same arena as the Division One basketball team, which isn't very good. But the the day before we were to play, end up uh, stumbling into an Arkansas State, Denver Big Sky conference game. And it was this. I mean, this is like below mid major stuff. So it was pretty neat to kind of. And right there before floor level, seeing Division One basketball game is pretty neat too. And then right before, like once that game was done, they had to tear up the tear up the wood for the the basketball game, and then the ice was underneath, and they had to get ready for the hockey game next day.
1: So when I go when I go to sporting events, I I love sports so much. But the most frustrating thing about sporting events for me is that I can't really see anything. So what would you? How do you attack that?
0: Um, well, I don't go to a lot of big venues. Um, I haven't been to a major league baseball game in a while. And actually I live pretty close to Montreal. So when the Expos used to be in Montreal, I used to go to Canada a lot and, um, you just get the, the seats literally with exchange rate was like 20 bucks box seats behind home plate. So you could, you could go really cheap to an Expo game and nobody was there. Um, I've been to a few hockey games like upper deck in Montreal where the Canadians play. You can see pretty much a lot upper deck
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but i've never been in a 80 70 80 000 seat stadium before um i've just been into maybe 15 20 000 seat stadiums where the upper deck you can see everything colors are bright lighting's very good so i've never experienced the vision issues with that and maybe something with signs if i had to read a sign or whatever but if i'm going to a big game like that i'm not broadcasting it so i don't there's no uh pressure for me to see see the numbers and for, for me seeing the numbers is okay seeing the last names no way it's always it's always going by the number on the jersey instead of the letters numbers are easier to read from a distance than numbers
1: right and then you can memorize the last names right like you could put the yes. last names with the numbers
0: e- yeah exactly that's what i do when i broadcast you get like in hockey you get a line chart you get four forward lines with three each and then two or three defense pairings so you kind of know okay if 10 and 11 and 12 are on one line and you see 10, 11 in the ice, well, the other guy has to be 12 unless the coach changed it. So it's kind of in your mind as you go going process of elimination, we do it in play-by-play, especially where a game like hockey, basketball is a little easier because usually four level, five guys on each side, pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Always have a cheat sheet for any of a score sheet. Football can get a little tricky. Um, you have 99 guys on a roster, but they give you rosters called two deeps. So we have the first unit and the second unit. So you kind of memorize who the first unit is. Kind of memories of the quarterback, the wide, receiver, wide receivers, and the running backs are on offense. That's pretty much all you need to do. Once in a great while, you throw in the linemen. On defense, you try to get, you know, because the outer chaos, try to try to get the first person that made a tackle on defense. Some guy with big 10, 11 tackles, eventually you're going to remember his number and name. Right. So that uh, that that helps out a lot. So there's a lot of memorization, a lot of preparation. Um, I usually do a lot, about an hour, an hour and a half prep before I do a game, at least uh, at least for a, for a football game basketball a little less hockey probably about an hour um baseball you you, you're pretty much doing your prep when you get there because you don't know the lineups till you get there so you're writing down the lineups and the positions and all that stuff you know something about the teams you can uh talk about them a little bit but other than that um it's it's a lot of preparation I'm preparing and i know um when i do a football game especially um you know I just gotta know the biggest thing is nowhere like for me because I'm going to different stadiums all the time knowing where the play clock is because the play clock's at different positions in every stadium know where the scoreboard is because the scoreboard in different positions so you kind of you can kind of move your head and glance a little bit and know where position your head and your eyes so you need, if you need the reference of how much time's left you know where it is in an instant and on the radio they can't tell they can't tell if you're moving your head or upside down right. or, you yeah. know if your hair's green or whatever so it's uh,
1: so, so you're doing uh, play by play right
0: I do play play yes yep I do a little couple color commentary I do have some people that work with me but um, uh, usually I'm kind of mostly a one-man show until we get to the playoffs and then I have somebody help me out a little bit and I'm trying to get more people involved as well because can't be doing this forever I wish I could but uh, it's nice to get a lot of help so I can uh, sell some other games and other people get the experience that I've had the last 21 years
1: Oh, commentating games sounds like so much fun. That's something I would I would want to do. That opportunity. How do you even, How do you get into something like that?
0: Well, um, I went to college as a communications major, and I got involved with my college radio station right off the bat in the news and sports department. Read newscasts, the sportscast, and I tried out for the play by play job for hockey. Got that, and was play by play for my college for three years uh then my senior year they won the national championship however i didn't go to that game because i was on spring break and decided to go with my roommate to long island to hang out with them never been to new york city before so i hung out in new york city so i did that instead of going to the national championship they ended up winning the national championship that was pretty fun they're a pretty good team back then mm-hmm. and then i got involved with basketball and i didn't know much about basketball until i went to college i didn't know about one and ones and seven fouls to get shot and all that so kind of learned basketball while i was in college and my college didn't have i think i did one soccer game but i let other people do it but i kind of oversaw there's two people in my department that were that knew more about soccer than i did so you want to do a soccer? Game, go right ahead so it was during alumni weekend everybody was happy so i didn't get to do soccer until when i started my commercial career but um my college didn't have baseball at the time so they had, they just started softball so i started doing softball games college softball games for a little bit and then eventually when i got to my commercial station i learned soccer and I learned lacrosse and I knew nothing about lacrosse either. So uh, I learned it from a baseball guy too. So just kind of the generic stuff. Every year the rules change. Uh, and like men's across, boys across, and girls across too, which if you've seen, ever seen women's or girls lacrosse, nobody knows the rules. It, it's it's, to- <laughs> it's <laughs> totally ridiculous. And as a matter of fact, one rule back in the day about 20 years ago, te- technically in girls lacrosse, there was no out of bounds. So you could like start a game in Atlanta and be in Tallahassee and still be in bounds, <laughs> I guess. It was just a mere suggestion. But oh now there's an God. out of bounds, a little more structure, a shot clock. Um, the Division One game is pretty exciting, but I get to, like do some lower level high school across, and it's kind of slow paced They kind of milk the clock. Before there was no shot clock, so a team could get up seven, eight goals by halftime and just hold on to the ball for twenty five minutes till the end of the game. So now they kind of.
1: I don't understand how you a have bit. a sport like that and not have simple rules like no shot clock. Well, or no It's, it's out of the balance. evolution.
0: It's the evolution when uh, teams are feeling these strategies and they build rules to uh, to uh, make the game a little more pleasant to watch. Now, now men's across has a 90 second shot clock, which never did. Because in men's across, um, you used to get up by four or five goals in the fourth quarter and they just hold the ball for seven minutes. They just pass it around. It was just like, it was ridiculous. You knew what they were doing. But now they have a 90-second shot clock in uh, men's lacrosse. If it hits the post, I think it resets the 60. I feel like in something like that, though, you can
1: look at other sports, though. Look at something like basketball and then take Mm -hmm. their shot clock rule and then just be like, well... If I mean, if they're oh, yeah, up the, by the, five the, points, they're gonna, yeah,
0: the, the shot clock saved that sport back in the 50s. It, it literally saved the sport because, they, you they're starting to get games like 10 or the 60 minute games are like 10 8 because people just holding on to the ball all <laughs> the time,
1: really. You know,
0: and and they didn't have a shot clock in college basketball for years. And I can't imagine, you know, what, why, why would you want to shoot the ball when you get a lead? Why would you want to give up the ball and shoot the ball all the time? And there was no free point line either, so. I, I think think basketball's gotten a lot better with the rule change. That's the one sport that is more. I watch an old basketball game from the seventies and eighties, and there's no shot clock. How can that be? I mean, I get a lead and kind of milk the clock for ten minutes, not the other team have the ball. Yeah. So, but I guess it's you know, shoot shoot shoot. I guess, and when the three the three point line really encouraged basketball players to shoot, and I think it's brought basketball to another level especially when it came about in the college game in the mid eighties. And it just, I, it's much better basketball's a, And I'm not a big NBA. I haven't watched an NBA game in 25 years. I, I'll watch some college, but I like watching high school basketball a lot more than anything. So I think it's a more of a, more of um, a natural. It's more, the game is more natural when it comes to it. It's not a lot of dunking. It's not above the rim. Right. So, and then you see it. So like high school girls, basketball is pretty fun. We'd get two. High level girls' basketball games are pretty intense too. So they're they're, they're fun to watch.
1: Yeah, something about basketball can get really intense. Basketball gets intense. NFL, dude, NFL playoff games are are my favorite thing to watch.
0: And in in, in basketball, it's funny because now they have the kind of Dean Smith way where you intentionally foul at games to try to get back into a game. You could have 18 seconds on the clock. It takes 10 minutes of real time to play the last 18 seconds of a basketball game because they're fouling each other every time. Yeah. So it's. that's what frustrates a lot of people about that but that's the way it kind of it's progressed over the last 30 years they they, they, they stay in the game you intentionally foul and then you get your free throws stop the clock
1: yeah yeah it's kind of a workaround against the rules but it's it's been accepted in the sport you know it's yes. what everybody does yep. and in the nfl obviously the last two minutes of a game can take 30 minutes easily it happens all the time mm-hmm. so yeah did, did you watch uh out. did you watch that that game last year, Buffalo uh, was, yeah, Buffalo versus Kansas City. Yes. Championship yep. or divisional too many round. Seconds,
0: left too many seconds on the clock.
1: <laughs> I felt so bad for, for Josh Allen, man. He, he had that game one with 13 seconds left and the Mahomes came down the field and got them that field goal.
0: And yeah. Aaron Rodgers probably could have done it in eight seconds. He does it all the time.
1: I can't stand he, Aaron Rodgers. got it. <laughs> i can't stand green but green bay has yeah. ruined my as a cowboys fan they have ruined my my season too many times
0: well you had the, the divisional game with the pass that was incomplete and then des um, bryant
1: caught it but whatever yep,
0: yeah yeah Yep. They that was the best team they had that was when tony Romo was actually healthy for a full season you know so yeah, very rare yeah i mean he, he must uh he must not get up very well in the morning. He has a bright, smile his face every time. But he's had his spleen. I, I know he's had like both rib cages broken. The his rib cages.
1: Back, he's had uh, herniated discs in his back. Yeah. multiple times. Did he get a
0: spleen? I don't. Did he get a spleen severed or something too, or something stupid like that? I don't know. But I know the
1: rib cages through the
0: big thing. His shoulders, the rib cages. I mean,
1: he's had everything. I
0: don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, debate how many painkillers he takes, but I'm sure he's. He's uh, he he's he gets up he gets up a little gingerly in the morning, I even bet. in his retirement. So
1: I'm happy that he's commentating now. He's he's such a good now. He finally gets the respect of of his peers because everybody was always talking mad crap about Tony Romo. Well, he
0: was he was over, and I, I know this from a broadcasting standpoint. Being in both, he's he, he's trying to. I, I don't think he really meant to. He's kind of over talking Jim Nance. and now Jim Nance is kind of adjusted to his style a little bit. It, it bugs people that he starts predicting place and he's hundred percent right. He reads the defense and he's like playing out there. So it's so um, fun. He, 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 and then when he kind of focuses and calms down, he's really good. He has those moments where he gets really excited. He starts talking too fast. He, and he talks right over Jim Nance, but I think they've gotten a lot better <laughs> over, over the years. And that's one thing I try to teach a little bit in broadcasting, you know, let the play by play guy finish his thought. Then you can start talking in football, especially in football. It is such driven by the color commentator, not the play-by-play guy. And I do football by myself. I haven't had a color guy in a couple of years. You can do football by yourself. You got to kind of limit the color commentary and talk about what's going on on the field. But with a especially in radio, television especially, television is geared towards the color commentator, John Madden, Tony Romo, Phil Simms, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And the the play-by-play guy's just there to kind of drive the bus a little bit, you know. and Keeps it going
1: uh, forward, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you get some of the good play play guys that know when to talk, um, know know their moments. You, you just you, you don't interrupt the play play guys' moment. Where I think in the early on, Tony Romo would inter- integrate a little bit, you hear there a little too much. But I think he's learned. I'm sure he gets coached by the people at CBS and other people that how to improve. Certainly, I, I, and I can tell some improvement into when he can interject when he can't interject. They've, and and they and and it's been like this for years. They give the color commentators all their little segments beginning a little bit you know kind of get that get their all their thoughts out of their mind tony must have like 20 million thoughts and i'm sure there's probably eight eight eighty out of 100 pages of notes he doesn't use during a game because you always have to over prepare for stuff yeah so he wants to try to get all the 100 pages in the broadcast you just can't do it you know you got to let the game breathe a little bit that's why for you got to let it breathe a little bit you know let it develop have it organically come about
1: that's the thing about romo about it's like there's something about his commentary that's so organic and he he's so mm-hmm. passionate about the sport and you just don't see that yeah. in everybody. And I think yep, that's yep. that's a big issue in commentary. There's a lot of bad yep. commentary for NFL nowadays, especially those yeah. those early Sunday 1 p.m. games. There's a lot of bad commentary, man. Well,
0: they stick the seat crew going over to, to uh, England for the Jacksonville, you know... Jets games, so Yeah. Um and and I and I'm afraid and I know I think the NFL is regretting the Thursday night football package. I think it's gone way too diluted. You know, one o'clock or four o'clock, people can set their schedules, their lives around one o'clock or four o'clock on a Sunday. Sunday nights become the biggest thing. Monday night means absolutely nothing. I don't care what ESPN says, it means absolutely nothing these days they get crap games.
1: They're not fun. And Thursday
0: night's just too and Thursday night's just too much. I don't even unless the Cowboys are playing, I don't bother with the Thursday night game at all. Really, it's in Monday night, especially. It's I watch football one day and that's it. It almost gets too much. Can't get enough of playoffs on weekends, right. but it, it, and they're regretting it. They're not getting the ratings, and none of the networks want it. That's why it's on Amazon Prime this year. No, Which one of the networks want to deal with it? Uh, Thursday night football, yeah, I believe. or yeah, yeah, so I believe it's, it. it's, it's exclusively, exclusive. And it, if they want to go with a streaming service, that's fine on Thursday night. I think that works because none of the networks want anything to do with it because it takes up the Thursday night lineup of, you know, whatever shows or dramas they want to produce. I mean, it may make big money from a advertising standpoint, but they, I think they football is a, is a cash cow, but if they dilute it, it it may become less of a cash cow for the networks. And there's always a fear probably 10, 50 years ago that NFL football is going to go completely away from the networks and do pay-per-view status. Well, the networks keep dishing out the billions of dollars. Have it over the air, so as long as that happens, that's why the NFL is so popular. Is because regular people that have regular cable or even still over the air rabbit ears can still get NFL football on Sundays. Where the other sports, you got to get streaming services and other ways or internet to get out of market games. With the NFL, you can, you know, in a direct ticket too, you can watch any game you want, right? Or even the red zone for the gamblers out there. Yeah. yeah, the red, red zone is you go watch every single. That's for gamblers. It's not really for football fans. I like to watch a football game and start to finish and kind of the strategy. That red zone is just for gambling. Red it's, zone channel it, is it, for it,
1: gambling and for fantasy football. Yes, it's fantasy all fantasy it football all is gambling essentially. I, so
0: I, I get I get it the first free week and that's it. Uh, I don't even bother with it. I like watching a full game from start to finish. Even if the Cowboys aren't on, depending if it's a good game, whatever's on one o'clock, I'll watch something. Whatever on four o'clock, I'll watch something. Sunday night, I may get a little burned out okay but we'll here's see. the one do thing about red zone channel is,
1: is red zone channel there's no commercials so you don't get to deal with all exactly. that stuff.
0: exactly yeah they do commercials a little bit when they're when they they have to throw in or they don't do the, like the don't they uh slide in they'll do like uh, a like a like, drop-ins,
1: a, like a picture in picture or something they'll yeah. they'll do one little commercial once in a while but it's not like if you're watching a full cowboys game where you're getting these commercials right, right. after every kickoff or after every timeout or injury timeouts yep that's that's what i like about the red zone channel but Mm -hmm. if i could watch an nfl game no time uh no commercials and just watch it all the way through i would pick that over red zone channel i stopped doing fantasy football i I can't do it anymore it's too stressful so
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i maybe did it 20 years ago i was in pools on i at high school the gambling part doesn't really i'm more of a video game person than anything i'll throw in madden here and there a little bit um other than that, I have uh, you know, a couple NES and Sega Genesis uh, emulators on my laptop where I can play old games for free and download them. Mm-hmm. So um, I know there's one uh, one website that you can download like uh, the NHL '94 platform, but they update it every year with their current rosters and teams. That's cool. So you can play like the NHL '94 game, but they're the 2002 rosters. It's pretty neat. They've done it with football too, with Madden for like Madden '98, '798. Some basketball, some baseball, but the hockey's the most fun. And the, someone's gone to the the, someone's gone as far as doing like the KHL, the Russian hockey league, the East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, and done all those rom rom hacks with the NHL 94 platform. It's crazy. So, um,
1: yeah, only video game I ever got into was Madden, and this game called Rocket League, where it's pretty much soccer but with uh with the bombs, and you gotta like hit the okay. ball into the goal, yeah, Rocket F- League.
0: FIFA series. is. R- no you know, FIFA is really fun on the PlayStation, you know, the, like the modern soccer games are really fun. And what I liked, I got the last one where I had like the women's teams. So I was playing the women's world cup all the time. Um, you know, the USA and Canada. I like playing team Canada a lot, but, um, and now the latest NHL 22 game has the women's Olympic hockey teams with just pretty neat.
1: Yeah. So. See, if I liked, if I, well, right now I don't even have the Xbox anymore. I left it down in Florida because I spent too much time on it. I was like, I don't want to be mm-hmm. on there anymore. So right. I just left it. Right. Madden was, it was just Madden, man. Ultimate Team. So I played a lot of Ultimate Team. And I got hooked on to it. That's where you can buy and sell players on the auction block. And then, uh,
0: okay. Right.
1: Dude, I didn't even really play Madden anymore. I didn't really play the game of football anymore. All I did was I just played the auction block. And then I started a team from like worth zero coins to millions of coins. Mm-hmm. and that was that was my whole yeah. entertainment yeah.
0: one of my one, one of my favorite games i like to play um and i still do here and there i still have an old ps2 slim version in my bedroom and when i get in the mood i, I like playing college hoops 2k5 because they don't make college sports games as of now anymore because the license agreement since 2010 but espn college hoops 2k5 i think is one of the best college basketball games out there um the EA Sports 2010, the last one they made with, I think, Blake Griffin on the cover is a pretty good one. But I like the 2K5 one. It plays easy. Um, you have uh, Mike Patrick and Jay Billis as the commentators. The graphics are pretty good. For 17 years old, it's pretty, pretty darn good. You get every single NCAA team. You can play Youngstown State versus Arkansas State if you wanted to. So I, I like playing mid-major games just because it's different, seeing all the different gyms and all that. So,
1: so how does the nystagmus affect affect your your career does it affect it at all
0: um it does um primarily the biggest thing is um i do not have a driver's license cannot get a driver's license my vision is where i can't pass the driver's test um i'm both nearsighted sighted and farsighted so that doesn't help either nice so i'm te- uh, so i'm 2400 out of my right eye so i'm left eye dominant um but my glasses get me to about 2016 2070 where i can pretty much do my job close range when I'm covering football, I uh, you have uh, binoculars or field glasses to help me out from long distance, and also lacrosse games and soccer games because a, a lot of them are on football fields anyway too. So, but hockey and basketball, as long as I see the numbers, I'm fine. Memorization helps out a little bit, but the my biggest thing is getting to and from work because I can't drive and I live out in the middle of the woods. You see, there's a lot of woods behind me. Yeah. So, I'm uh, um, just. You know, my wife moved me out here while I was living in town. She had a place out here. and We were going out, and then I've stayed out here. So, just to get kind of put a bit of perspective, the nearest grocery store is probably nine miles away. Um, yeah, you really are my, in the middle of nowhere work, back there. Uh, yes, it's the foothills of the Adirondacks. So, um, so it's nine miles from the nearest grocery store either way. Uh, my workplace, my office, is about eight miles away. Probably maybe about eight nine miles
1: away. So.
0: Um, public transportation has gotten a lot better over the 20 years. Matter of fact, there was a bus service that would go to the end of my road, a quarter mile down, but they, when COVID hit, they ran out of uh, ridership and shut it down. Just that route where I live. Everywhere Mm. else, I could get to anywhere else in the County, but I can't get it from my house to work anymore, so... But now they're using the excuse, the State Department, the DOT wants to have the route back, but they don't have drivers now to drive. it. So um, so you gotta figure out certain ways here and there. My wife's schedule, for her work in retail, she will we'll go into work together three days a week, and then she's off two days a week during the week. I either uh, get a ride with her or they have a program where the supplements where the bus line stopped they have called they call a first mile last mile program where if the bus can get you to a certain point, they'll have a volunteer driver drive you to your destination. Oh, so cool. I've been able to utilize that, but they need more volunteer drivers to do that around the county. So I mean these volunteer drivers are not only helping me out, but they're helping like bring kids to their see their dads because their mom lives somewhere else and so and helped out the Department of Social Services in those situations too so um then they made certain rules you have to uh you you couldn't be now during covid i was considered essential because I was working in the media so i was getting rides to and from everywhere i was going well then they cracked down the rules a little bit saying well now you can only get a free first mile last mile ride from a bus stop to your destination so if i was at a school covering a game i have to walk to a bus stop to pick up the first mile last mile driver because they wouldn't be able to go to the school to pick me up anymore Mm-hmm. That's been kind of a little bit of a concern just to kind of we're scheduling and trying to figure out how I was going to get home. Mostly it's mostly I can get the games pretty much on my own. My company pays for a, a $60 yearly bus ticket. It's $2 one way for the bus in this county. So they've been able to help me out in that regard. it's The biggest thing is getting home after my work is done. That's the always been the biggest concern. Getting to work is fine. Getting to where I have to go if so I do a game is fine. It's the matter of getting home. Now, there are Ubers available up here, yes, in rural part of new york state where i am but usually only on weekends Mm -hmm. we have college the colleges that help out a little bit but i can usually probably get an uber on a friday night saturday night which helps out a little bit but during week on a tuesday no way because the college kids are all gone the place is dead so um and the taxi services have gone completely non-existent too there isn't much much taxi service where the, the buses kind of supplement that a little bit in the first mile where the private taxi companies have either cut their hours or don't even do a lot of local drives anymore
1: yeah i think ubers have kind of replaced taxis a lot in that, in that sense
0: yeah yeah I, I i go to cities i have no problem getting uber i don't yeah i i'll go to uh you know a city where i'm covering something like a state tournament there's eight ten ubers available who wants to come get me help me out you know so and it's relatively cheap too it's usually cheaper than than the private taxis
1: there you go there you go yeah yeah and do you do you have children too?
0: Yep. Uh, my stepson's seventeen, he's gonna be a senior next year, and I had a daughter that's nine. So they just finished school up this week.
1: So what do you say that having nystagmus um, and having children, do you think that, that nystagmus affects that at all?
0: Um, from from the aspect of I can't necessarily maybe bring them to certain places that I like to like say if I need a if my wife's working she can't get it off, then you go to a Christmas concert. I got to find a way to get them to the Christmas concert and myself to the Christmas concert, stuff like that. Trying to get them involved in stuff as much as possible. You know, we're trying to do, a, we've tried some things here and there. Some things, some things have worked, some have not. So I just want to have them, have give them the best advantage I can to get them involved in things outside here. Cause we have to drive to everywhere we need to do. Mm-hmm. There's, no, no, there's no playground walking distance. There's no school walking distance. There's not a store in a walking distance. So it's every time you gotta drive somewhere to do something. We try to plan out ahead as much as possible and go from there and see what they're interested in and do the best we can to accommodate that.
1: Let's say say Tesla ever gets to fully self-driving, which I think they're pretty much at right now. But like, let's say they're pretty proven and they have like a good track record of it. Is that something that you would ever consider?
0: Yes. Definitely, I don't know my wife would allow me to do it, but <laughs> but you got to get a license. I don't know what the license. I guess there's would still be. other we
1: things. To... Yeah, you have. Yeah, to...
0: you have to get a license to be do. To... If you can't drive, what would you be allowed to ride driving a Tesla, a self-drive car? So that's. Are we? We're getting on the right path here, but I don't know if we're quite there yet. Will it be in our lifetimes? It might be. I'm hoping. I we'll think see. it will
1: be. I think I really think it will be, but. I don't know anything that's just hope so (laughs) (laughs) um okay so how like the nystagmus in in your childhood how did that affect your childhood how did you find out about it you know like what were your parents reactions
0: well I don't know if my parents really I think I've kind of mentioned a couple times I wasn't really diagnosed officially with it till I was in my early 20s and that came about because my, uh, there's a doctor at the University of Vermont that was doing a study on my family, because I have a cousin that has nystagmus, but he had it so bad, he had migraines. So they did a study on the, the effects of that with migraines. So being part of the family lineage, we took some blood tests, the family tree stuff and all that. And then I went to actually see him on my own and he diagnosed me with, with uh, mild nystagmus. It's enough to make it bothersome. But I remember I had to get glasses when I was in kindergarten it, just, it was just a matter of I had bad eyes. I don't know if they, my parents even knew or the doctors even let them know that I had astigmatism ready to detect that, but I had to wear glasses in kindergarten, hated them, threw them across the room. Eventually got used to them, and they were Coke bottle ones throughout the 80s, you know. So um, always had to sit in the front of the room a lot. And I, and it, I was a, I was a you know, fairly shy kid when I was younger, so I was afraid to tell the teacher I couldn't see the board. I have to sit in the front. Sometimes I didn't say anything sat in the back and maybe my grades would suffer a little bit, not too much. Um, But, you know, you make your own accommodations. Some of the teachers probably knew as I got older about my situation, it was was a private matter, whatever. Um, And I had, you know, I had the circle of friends that knew about it. Not necessarily the status, but, but my poor vision, so. Um, so it's hard for me I, to
1: imagine a, a childhood or at least a high school experience where I wasn't aware that I had something called nystagmus because to me it played such a big role mm-hmm, in my childhood mm-hmm. and my social activities and just my interactions right. with people. So
0: right I, I was pretty much left to live a, 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 as normal life as possible. Plus I, I don't I told you before I was I actually played trombone too. I played trombone throughout college could read sheet music and all that, but I would adjust the stand a certain way so I could see it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you memorize music too, so you can play stuff and memorize it, did marching band, played through jazz band throughout college, I was an almost music minor and all that, so, um, I, I, despite that, I was able to learn stuff and trying to adapt the way I had to see things, so, um, did a lot of, you know, you do a lot of practicing, it's, a lot of music is using your ears, so, if I have a deficiency in seeing your hearing, certainly is picked up a little bit and I'm not perfect pitch, but I'm pretty darn close from a musical standpoint. And I can read rhythms. I can read music. I know scales, I know keys and that's you know, a whole other language. So I
1: think with my stagmas, time, there know. there's a couple main factors the way I look at it. Right. So the first thing is you have the poor vision and you can't see very mm-hmm. well. But then the second thing, which this is where I had a difficult time was that, it can look a little you know funny having the eyes move around or me having my null point and having Mm -hmm. to move my head and you know with ways that other people don't do that's the part where i really struggled with i never really had an issue with like the lack of the vision like nobody said anything about it but aesthetically the way that the nystagmus made me look i i struggled a lot with that so did you deal with that at all not not much
0: I, 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 I don't recall anything other than, um, I only noticed, I, and I know my no point, as I learned about null no points literally in my mid 20s, reading when the internet first got underway and I was reading stuff on the old the uh, nystagmus network forums that I don't think are even up anymore. That's kind of, I kind of found out about other people about it was through forums. And then no points and doing research that the inner part of my left eye is where my null no point is. And then I know one time I was covering a game i had the window closed it was cold like 20 degrees you close the window and i see my the reflection of myself in the mirror and my head's tilted to the right all the time and if i tilted it straight i couldn't see very well so that's where i kind of learned and i'd see some pictures of myself you know while i was tilting to the right a little bit and i guess that's that's the way i look when i have to look at things and i kind of notice it more often now than i did before I always remember when I was younger, my parents yelling at me, straight up your head, straight up your head. They didn't know. Right. I didn't know, but I look, it's the way my body kind of reacted to trying to see, tilting my head to the right. And I remember my parents always saying my head was tilting. And they're always yelling at me for it. So I yeah. never, I've confronted them about that, but I just remember that from when I was younger.
1: That's so interesting that you made it pretty much your whole childhood without your childhood, without people mentioning the head tilt or the null point, except for your parents. Yeah.
0: It's, it's yeah. Yeah. No, my parents, my parents knew that they know the null point. They know that they had the head tilt. So,
1: right. But yeah. They, well, they didn't they know what caused the head tilt, but they knew that you exactly, had a head tilt. Exactly. Yeah. They
0: didn't know the cause. And I went to some other specialists and they, I don't know if nystagmus was even mentioned, but it was, oh, from doctor to doctor, from, you know, childhood through teenage years to early adulthood, you, it's always something you just had to live with. You chew the best you can with the prescription and try to get as close as possible. Now, I did get a little adjustment with my prescription. I had an old doctor that pretty much wanted me to he made one last adjustment with my prescription where I could try to see a little better from a distance and then actually I can a little bit. Uh, but now when I read, I, I, I used to I used to have to read with my glasses on. Now I don't even read with my glasses on. So it's blurry with my glasses because the magnification is so high. So I read books and newspapers. Um, sometimes not so much computers because of the screen, but when I'm reading print, I take my glasses off when I read now. Interesting. It's "It's blurry. I'm, I, I, I perfect, not say perfect vision, but it's a lot clearer without my glasses when I read just because of high magnification of my prescription.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of
0: times, yeah. And a lot of times, um, I'm covering a football game with my field glasses. I'll have my glasses up like this. And then I'm doing the field glasses, doing play by play, and then I'll just kind of do the little trick and boop like that, put my glasses down so I can read something from a near distance or whatever. So I'm like, glasses are up and down, up and down like this all the time uh, (laughs) during a game. So.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's still interesting because to me, the way that I found out about my null point in my head movements and everything was from people around me. They would always, Mm -hmm. it, it would not always, like it's it's always like a select few amount of people, but they seem to make the most noise about it. Like 99% of the people could be cool. And then you could have 1% of the people who are just obnoxious about it. That was my experience. So that's how I found out that my eyes were like different or how I found out that my head moved and stuff. Um, I right. would like, like what you said, I would see the pictures mm-hmm. and I'd be like, yeah, well my, why is my head always looking like that in the pictures? I don't do that on purpose, mm-hmm. but they, it always yep. looks like that. So that would bother me, but I've never, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. So you, you didn't have students or peers say anything. It was pretty much just your parents when it came time to take pictures.
0: Uh, it's something I would notice. They wouldn't mention anything. I would notice it. So unless they're just used to me having my head tilted or maybe back a little bit like this, like my head used to be kind of back a little bit like that too. So yeah, Um, I guess there's more of awareness now of, you know, I don't get a lot of pictures taken of me really. So it is what it is now. But
1: so, on a scale of one and 10, how much would you say the nystagmus really affects you?
0: Um, I have it pretty under control. Um, I know I, I've done this little trick a few, for a few weeks now. I try to put my phone camera phone next to my eye so I can see it. Now, some days I can't see it, some days I can. Um, from a driving standpoint, it's a 10 because I can't be able to drive, but mm-hmm. overall, my, my it's five or six, maybe. Just, just I, I can do everything else, really. Um, I don't think I could fix. I I can't do a lot of fine point stuff, like uh, I can sew a button. It's kind of difficult, you know. I learned how to sew buttons. If I had to sew a button on a shirt, you know, um, sewing machines kind of scared me in home economics, <laughs> junior <laughs> high. But uh, a lot of the fine points of I don't think I could fix a car. You know, some of the fine finer things. My motor skills are okay. They're not great, but some balance issues here and there. Not running into doors anymore, but I do run into things a little bit. I kind of scrape against things. I don't run into things.
1: And you did. Um, I think I you did. told me on the phone you did play football in high school, correct? Yes, I did. Without yes, glasses. I was, I was,
0: yeah, without glasses because the first game I didn't like it because they fogged up all the time. Right. And my At the time, you couldn't get prescription sports glasses for my prescription, so... Um, I just played without glasses. You don't need to read anything but the scoreboard. So I was a center, and I actually long snapped on punts and short snapped on field goals, too. So I learned to do that, Did that for four years. It just takes practice, you know? So, yeah, so to
1: any parents who think that your child might not be able to play football or sports because of the nystagmus, I mean, this is a very... I also it, played football, by yeah, the way, too. So. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I and I played baseball up until 12 or 13. I, I, My eyes were fine with the smaller Little League fields, but once we got to the... 12 and 13 playing on the like high school fields. I wasn't good enough to play infield. I played infield in literally, but I wasn't good enough to play infield on in the upper levels. And I couldn't play outfield because I couldn't see the ball literally leave the pitcher's hand and off the bat when it got hit, I couldn't see it. And they, you know, I probably shouldn't have played my last couple of years. And I did. I love baseball so much. I probably should have like track and field, like shot put or discus or something, but um. That's one thing I regret, but I don't. I I was able to play baseball as far as I could until I till I physically couldn't anymore. So
1: yeah, and I, I, I was, and was never able baseball. to play it. I'm terrible at baseball.
0: Yeah, I can throw I can throw a baseball and catch a baseball fine. Mm-hmm. So um, I haven't done it in a while. It probably take a little bit to get used to it, but I was you know, strong enough, physically able enough to do it. I did rollerblade a, a little bit. I wasn't great. I could roll a blade a little bit, strengthen, strengthen my leg, strengthen your balance, you know? So I'm um, not great at basketball. You do it, you know? So no one's asking me if you can't, I can see the body, I
1: and see the hoop. Right. So. so I'm curious about this. Um, With my nystagmus, if I'm meeting somebody new, if I'm talking to somebody who hasn't, uh, you know, who doesn't know about my eyes, sometimes my eyes will just start going crazy out of nowhere. They'll just start, you know, moving left and right, and I sometimes I struggle. Like, when should I say something? I feel like there's an elephant in the room, and I should mention it just so that they're not wondering what's going on here. Do you ever have to tell people like about your eyes so they don't think that you're you're high or something because that's what happens. like police officers check for nystagmus when they pe- pull people uh, over because people who are yeah. high you know will have it so how do you approach something like that
0: i i've never really had that experience without people looking in my eyes um the, the only thing is like in high school i know people would want to take my glasses and look through them and they feel like they were high just look through my glasses <laughs> but other than that um not not i never really had that experience much at all um you can mildly see it. I know it affects it, and it hasn't happened in a while. But I know uh, stress can a uh, uh, stress can uh, make it so where I can actually feel them shake. Right. I feel my I feel it shake. They I know. I know when I'm either not feeling well or stressed out. When my I I can feel my eyes actually tremor. I know it's really bad. So you just gotta take it easy, calm down. And uh you know just kind of get a right mental state of mind to kind of calm it down a little bit
1: do you do any like breathing exercises or anything like that
0: um'm glad close my eyes a lot a little yeah. bit just calm down um I know it's even for anybody looking at a screen a lot to take breaks so I gotta take breaks no no one to take breaks you know so you're not burning yourself out and I've done that before burn myself out where I just can't look at anything I can't look at people I just can't look at anything so just got to pace yourself you gotta pace yourself
1: yeah i relate to that yeah sometimes it just gets so bad and you got to take a break from any, anything but yeah okay well um do you have anything that we haven't head on that you think we should we should talk about
0: well um you know reason i like to come on here and i don't get a platform out to talk about my situation and all that and i'm glad i kind of stumbled on your podcast is um you know, any encouragement for any parents to have kids with the sphagnus that so they can do whatever they want to do, just treat life as normal. If they need help getting somewhere, get them somewhere. Um, and then there's ways to adjust. And I, I know I was mentioning to you that uh, there's, uh, at least in my business, technology has helped out tremendously. Use the technologies out there to help improve your life. You know, I mentioned, uh, I know we mentioned taking, I know I think you mentioned other podcasts, taking pictures of a fast food menu. I just learned that life hack like a week, like a month ago. <laughs> like, why am I doing this for years? And it's helped out tremendously too. So, you know, use your, uh, this technology to your advantage. You can do whatever you want, know your limitations, but don't, uh, limit yourself. If there's something you want to do, try to work it out. The technology, there's ways through technology to help you out these days where there wasn't 25, 30 years ago. So, um, that's what I would encourage anybody with the stagmus. You know, try to find your comfort zone there. If you have to live in a city, live in a city. You can, there's no one, no one says you can't live. No, there's no one that says you can't live where you want to live. So, you know, just, you just got to f- figure out the proper ways to adjust, get us a good support staff and you to be just fine.
1: Mm-hmm. And just to add to that, I like what you said, in terms of the parents, uh, putting limitations on their children. It's so important not to put limitations on them. Let no. let them figure out for themselves what they can and what they can't do, what they're comfortable with. Yeah. You should I I think it's very important to let them figure it cuz you could put limitations on their child on that don't need to be there. I I've, I've seen it all the time where parents will tell their kids that they can and can't do things because of their eyes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they actually can do it. You just haven't given them the opportunity to try and do it, but you'd be surprised what we can actually do. So that's what mm-hmm. I would add to that.
0: Yep. Yep. I've, I've seen too many people, uh, with other, uh, other disabilities, I guess, uh, not get to their full potential. I've seen some people that are completely healthy. that don't get to full potential either. So, yeah um it's you know I, i'm doing just i'm ha- kind of happy where i am right now in life and uh just keep doing what i'm doing i'm teaching a class in sports broadcasting at a local college school, so i picked up that side gig last semester so uh you know just keep busy man. along.
1: you're doing a lot of stuff
0: yeah. <laughs> busy stuff yes yep
1: um all right chris well i appreciate you coming on and talking to me man thank you course and uh anybody who's listening i appreciate you listening if you made it this far appreciate you guys and this has been episode 17 so yeah we'll be back with episode 18 next week or whenever the hell that happens so yeah all right i'm gonna stop this